The NBA schedule is out. Back-to-backs are diminishing, 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 and it might be bad for the NBA. I'll explain. Plus, Tony Jones is back for his third and final day. It's all coming up on today's edition of Locked on Jazz. You are Locked on Jazz, your daily podcast on the Utah Jazz. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. How are you? I'm David Locke, radio voice of the Utah Jazz, Jazz NBA Insider. Today on Locked On Jazz, we'll look in the first segment on the Jazz schedule and a belief that I have that while they're doing all these things for player health, they might be hurting the game and how it changes how rosters should be built a little bit. Plus, we'll dig into some of the fun little things about the schedule as well. Try not to be too self-centered as a play-by-play announcer on how I view it. And then Tony Jones joins us for the third and final day. We'll dig into the rookies. We'll dig into the Western Conference. We'll dig into the, more on the Jazz. It's been a really fun week with TJ. Please send him a thank you. As I mentioned, I'm David Locke, radio voice of the Utah Jazz, Jazz NBA insider, and this is Locked on Jazz, your daily podcast on the Utah Jazz, giving you insight, expertise, geeky numbers, hopefully making it way better to be a Jazz fan each and every day. We are free and available on all podcasting apps as well as on YouTube. Thank you to the everydayers who join us each and every day and comment in the YouTube section and keep this conversation robust. Feel free to hit me at DLock09 on X. We've had a lot of good communication there as well and thank you for making Locked on Jazz your first listen of the day. All right, let's get to it. So the schedule is out. Most important date for you is September 12th. That's when single-day tickets games go on sale. Uh, according to Positive Residual, the Jazz have the second easiest schedule in the NBA. Only Denver has an easier schedule. Now, we've only got 80 games on the schedule. Two more will be added in that kind of gap between December 2nd and December 11th. That's not on the schedule. I'm assuming one home, one away. Um, and so that adds... A little something to it, and maybe that's why we have the second easiest schedule is because of the teams. The reason we have the second easiest schedule is the teams we only play three times right now are pretty, are all really, really good teams. Now, two of those we will play again. Uh, they'll add those to our schedule unless we make the play in um, the in-season tournament. So the biggest story is the Sunday three Sunday home games. And during Ben Anderson had this little nugget in his story at KSL.com that during the most recent scheduling period, the NBA mandated that each team designate select dates throughout the season for Sunday games. That's so the league said, basically, you got everyone's got to play seven days a week. And now the Jazz have three home Sunday games. Be interesting to see what the reaction is. Feel like there's a changing landscape in Salt Lake, and there's plenty of people to attend Sunday games, um, even for those who don't want to attend Sunday games. We'll see. Um, but that's just my general take that I think they that'll turn out to be fine. I think from a scheduling standpoint for the Jazz, I think it had become a disadvantage. There was just a feeling around those of us that traveled with the team and players and coaches over the years that the no Sunday was truncating the schedule in a manner that was getting difficult because what was also happening is as we were not getting national TV games, a lot of no Thursdays because Thursday is usually a national TV game. So when you have no Thursdays and no Sundays, you're playing a lot of Friday, Saturday, back to backs, a lot of Friday, Saturday, Mondays, you know, Wednesday. And suddenly you're playing. That's kind of became our schedule there for a while. And there was a feeling that maybe that was, 
was hurting a little bit. The league has done a masterful job of getting rid of back-to-backs, and they're doing it for player health. There's no more four games in five nights. Seems, you know, like that seems like doing that now seems insane. Here's the problem. The Jazz have five times all season long. So from October, whatever it is, 20th to April 15th, right? So November, December, January, February, March, April, six months. The Jazz, uh, I took the end of October and put it on the end of, you got it. The Jazz have five times all year where they have two days off in a row at home. Five times all year we have two days off at home in a row. Why does that matter? Not because David wants to go to Jackson or David wants to go to Sun Valley to go skiing, because that's when you practice. That's when you get two days off at home, you get a rest day after a game, and then you practice, and then you shoot around, and then you've got two practices to get better. There are so, so many, the, the lack, and this is happening, because as you don't have back-to-backs, you can't end up having two days off in a row. And so as the league's gotten better and better at the back-to-backs, the impact on the game's interesting. What they've done is eliminated practice. Indirectly, the unintended consequence is that they've eliminated practice. So to me, the teams that have continuity in a league that no longer has continuity will have a significant advantage. Denver Nuggets, right? They're they're somewhat together. They, They probably don't need a lot of practice time. Clippers are interesting. They've actually been together. A lot of those guys have been together for a long time. And I'm not entirely sure that they they need the time together. Jazz are pretty new, right? We're changing this thing up on a regular basis. I think this is going to be a disadvantage to teams that have major significant changes in the rotation who are trying to, if you hear about a team trying to work someone through. So like a little subtle one is that Chris Daps Porzingis' plantar fasciitis, they say he'll be ready by training camp, but let's say he has some sort of a delay and he's not ready for training camp. Well, all of a sudden, Boston's starting to integrate Chris Daps Porzingis in the regular season. There's just no practice time. You might, there, we have, I believe, one or two times where we have back-to-back games on the road. And you can practice then too, but it's not as good. It's not the same. Like, just we'll leave it at that. It's not, it's not as solid a practice time. It, being at home in your own building, getting those things in, those are the practice moments you need. So this will be. This is a. I think actually, you know, something that just hasn't been talked about a lot, understandably, but I think is a large impact on the NBA season and the way and the way it'll play. Um, and so like, if you look at the jazz and I don't have, I looked at when the, they have the calendar that's out, that's, that's the better one. The other one is the jazz don't have these early at all. So we have the jazz will practice when the season starts on the 25th of Sacramento, we're home 26 is probably an off day. You play the Clippers because the 27th, 28th, you have back-to-back games. You're not practicing 29th is a travel day to Denver 30th. We play Denver come home. Maybe you get together, but we have a back-to-back the next day, so you're not practicing. First, second. Third, you're not practicing because it's the back end of a back-to-back and we're traveling. Then we're in Minnesota, Chicago, Indiana, Memphis, probably not practicing in very much, if at all, in there. So the Jazz will open the season without a practice day. The first time the Jazz will practice, I think, will be November 12th. 
We come home on Friday. We don't play Saturday, Sunday, Monday. We're three days off there. They'll they'll probably practice Saturday, Monday. So the Jazz will get two practice days before that Portland in-season tournament game. And then they actually get another little stretch of practice there where they are home for two in a row. One of the few times they're home for two in a row in there. Back, they happen to be back-to-back, 15 and 16. So the Jazz practice. Then you keep. Then you get on this thing. It's hard to find your next practice day. It's the Friday after Thanksgiving. So just when you look at this, the Jazz like open the season, and this happens numerous times through the year. Numerous times where the Jazz will go 25, 30 days without a practice. And that's because of the no back-to-backs, which has its benefit but also has a little bit of a problem. A few notes for you. Um, I am still a believer in the in-season tournament, and when I saw the schedule, I'm even a bigger believer in the in-season tournament. The fact that four of our five games at one point are in-season tournament games means that as a fan, I think you get into the mindset that you're in the in-season tournament. I was concerned that, like, well, how am I going to know if it's an in-season tournament game or not? You should be able to know. Four of the five games in that stretch are in-season tournaments. We play Memphis, Portland, Phoenix, and we play Phoenix again, and then we play the Lakers. So four of the five games are in-season tournament. I think that will allow us to get in. Uh, the brutal part of the schedule as a play-by-play announcer is December, missing not being home for Christmas unless we fly back for the 24th. It's pretty brutal. Um, happens. It's part of the cost. Why you get paid? It's why you do your job, but it still sucks. Uh, particularly when both your kids are in college and the only time they come home is Christmas, then it really sucks. Um, and I will not see either of my kids for Christmas, so that really sucks. Okay, I'll stop now, but it, yes, that sucked. Um, the uh, 16 of 25 games at home in March and February is great, particularly if we get a good snow year. Okay, let's see, at least I'm consistent. Uh, jazz do not, little subtle one, Jazz do not play game, back-to-back games in the same arena in the month of December. So we never play home, home. We play home, road, home, road, 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 home, road, 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 road. A weird one. Jazz don't go to the Clippers or the Warriors until the sixth, until April about eleventh or something. Six games left in the season. The Jazz go play the Clippers on April fifth and the Warriors on April seventh. Those are the first two times the Jazz go play the Clippers or the Warriors, and then they do it again seven days later. They do the exact same road trip seven days later, Clippers and Warriors to finish the season. So that one's a little strange. Uh, Memphis three times early with John Morant out is probably a good one for the Jazz. Two Jazz have two TV games, national TV games, non-NBA team. The only teams with less are the Hornets, Pistons, Rockets, Pacers, Magic, Blazers, Raptors, and Wizards. Honestly, I actually think that's fair. We're not a major market, and we don't have a lot of players that are moving the meter I think it's actually a compliment to us that we're ahead of the Hornets, Pistons, Rockets, Pacers, Magic, Blazers, Raptors, and Wizards. That's a little bit of a statement that we should be able, that we're actually good entertainment, good basketball. But otherwise, it's hard to justify um, as much as we all, we think we matter on the national scale. We just don't have those guys that move the meter or are we expected to be great. Tony Jones joins us. It is so fun to have TJ. Please send him a thank you. Today's edition of Locked on Jazz is brought to you by our friends over at Murdoch Hyundai. Located at 4646 South Street, State Street, also in Logan and in Linden. The Hyundais just keep loading up all of the awards. All of them. I'm telling you, every single one of them, they keep loading up. They got the Ionic 5 as the car of the year, SUV of the year. The Ionic 6 won the car of the year. 
what else can you do? They just keep winning car of the year. And they, as somebody who owns three of them now, I have to back them up and say it's pretty fabulous. We own two of the Santa Fe's. The SUV lineup is outstanding. And right now, 3.29% for five years on the 2023 Santa Fe. Summer deals are going on in the Tucson as well. And you're guaranteed to get the Murdoch's no regrets treatment for, for your experience. If you're going to head over to Murdoch Hyundai, please email me first at dlock09 at gmail.com so that I can take a second and uh, set you up with a VIP meeting in any of the locations uh, and make sure that you enjoy yourself and get that perfect experience. Uh, whether you're checking out the 2023 Ionic 6, which is the winner of the Car of the Year Award from the World Car Wars, or whether you're looking at any of the SUVs. It's all at Murdoch Hyundai, located 4646 South State Street, or in Logan, or in Linden. Please email me first, and we'll set you up with the VIP meeting. Today's show is also brought to you by FanDuel Football Seasons right around the corner. Pick your Super Bowl winner and get bonus bets. Here's how it works with FanDuel right now. This is kind of cool. So, if you go to FanDuel.com, and you have your super football team you love, and you pick them to be a Super Bowl winner, every time they win, you get bonus bets in the regular season. So just pick any team to win the Super Bowl. You'll get bonus bets for every victory. Football season's about to kick off, and FanDuel is there to take you. Whether it's spreads, player props, over-unders, wins, and more, you can all do it at the FanDuel Sportsbook. Go check it all out at FanDuel.com slash locked on. That's FanDuel.com slash locked on. The latest, also all sorts of good NBA odds going on. NFL odds right now at FanDuel. Super Bowl champion odds are are up there, and the Chiefs are the favorite at 600. Then the Eagles at 800, Bills at 900, Bengals at 1,000. So are the Niners, and the Cowboys are at 1,300. My favorite one is picking the exact Super Bowl matchup. If you can get it, you nail it, you're rolling, because those odds are in your favor if you can pull it off. It's all over at FanDuel. Day three with the Athletics, Tony Jones. Funny, we've been wearing the same clothes all three days. <laughs> Maybe recorded in one setting. All right. I have, I have a trick question for you. Jazz lineup in March 1st. The next question is you have a sophomore journalism student at Morgan State University. I do. Going into sports media. She is. And I have a freshman who has starting on Monday at the University of Nebraska-Lincoln as a sports media. How long and how many years until this interview is done by our daughters instead of by us? <sighs> my daughter were in the room. She would have taken over the interview by now. <laughs> my, mine just got home and I was scared. So, yes. Wait a minute, speaking of, speaking, of the, speaking of the devil, there she is right now. Uh-oh. She want to come say hi? Do we go, do we go get some? I'm doing the, a podcast. Do we let hi. them do the, Are they doing the final show? Are they doing Good the morning, Friday Steve. edition? My, uh, my, this, come on. Come on in. Make your debut. Make your debut. How are you? This is my daughter, Kelsey Jones. Hello, Kelsey. <laughs> Second year journalism student. Follow me at Kelsey K E L S I A Jones again. Kelsey K E L S I A Jones on Instagram. So my daughter's going into sports media also. So we're just wondering how long until the two of you are doing this interview instead of us. Um, I don't know. 
if we were smart, we would actually just do a show together every day. It would kill mm-hmm. if we were smart. So maybe the two of you will get together and do it. Yeah, we definitely can. I'm always down. All right. Kelsey, we appreciate it. Best I of luck. Know. Have a great sophomore year. Thank you. You need me to cash up you, don't you? I do. Um, <laughs> <laughs> the most true moment in the history of Locked on Jazz. Yes, um, yep, there's your, that's you. Know, that's you already know what it is as a father, man. That's right. Um, all right. So you you were super interesting in the first two days. You talked about this length and athleticism. So I really like this team. And when I look at it, I've been like, John Collins makes them better. And Keontae George and Taylor Hendricks will make them better. And they'll miss Mike Conley. But Mike Conley, super valuable, but also was aging. Um, so, like, I like it a lot. I think it's way, I think it's a much, I think it's better than last year. And then I get super excited. And then I start to try to walk down the rest of the West. And I like every other roster I see also. Like, I think the real story of the NBA right now is that because we, because of some of the new collective bargaining agreement rules where Atlanta gives up John Collins for free and the Jazz add John Collins, because we have not expanded in eons and have more talent than we've ever had before, and more international players, and Michael Jordan and Kobe Bryant, LeBron James have been the coolest dudes on the planet other than Ronaldo and Tiger Woods. So every athlete that's over six foot four is playing this game in every country in the world that our talent level in this league is so incredible that, like, I love us, and then I go compare us, and I get super nervous about how good everybody else is. Am I wrong? Yeah. I think... So I think that the rest of the West is really good, but I thought the rest of the West was really good last year and the year before that and the year before that, like Kevin Durant coming over, Kevin Durant and Bradley Beal coming over from the East. Like, so I mean, this is kind of where we're going to end the show, but let's go to that middle pack. Like Mike Conley helps Minnesota. New Orleans is pretty good. Like, like I'm trying to find teams. I think the jazz are better than like when we say make the playoffs, they're longer, they're more athletic. Like, like San Antonio, Houston, Portland. And then I struggle. Not because of, not because I don't like, like this roster, but because I've got a lot of respect for, like, I think Oklahoma city, like Chet, Chet helps. That's a pretty good team. I think people are a little overly, like, I think they're a year early on them a little bit. I think they're a little year early on Orlando too. They're like the two posh picks. And it's like, okay, I'll go under on both of them. Um, But like, I mean, if Zion's healthy, forget about it. New Orleans is really good. So this is what I think about the Jazz. I think the Jazz have an 82-game roster, which means I think that their depth, I think that their legs, because they have they have young legs, they have depth, that's going to keep them competitive every night. Now, I do not think they have a 16-game roster. Okay, I got so you. I think that they can get to the playoffs and just get absolutely shellacked by somebody because they don't have a 16 game roster, mainly because they don't have a closer in a playoff setting. But in terms of the depth and in terms of the youth, people don't realize how much the, the abolishment of the take foul has really killed some of the older teams, teams with older legs. 
okay. because you can't stop teams in transition. And that overall wear and tear wears on you. It's one of the reasons why I think that Golden State really struggled last year, particularly on the road. And I think mm. that you're going to see some teams um, that you don't think will be competitive, more competitive than you think. And I think that you're going to see some teams with some star power that struggle more than you think, a lot like last year. But if so, let's put it this way. There's a non-zero chance that the Jazz are a better regular season team than the Los Angeles Clippers. But if you could got the Jazz and the Clippers in a playoff series, the Clippers are going to win in five because the playoffs slow down. They have Paul George and Kawhi Leonard and the Jazz don't. And you don't have to worry about wear and tear uh, as much in a first round series with two days in between every game. If that makes sense. So I think the Jazz have a roster that's going to be competitive no matter what in the regular season. Um, but it's not going to really mean anything, mean much in the long run, because this front office wants to win championships. So they know that they have to get this roster to a point where it's going to compete for championships. But this specific Jazz roster, I think is going to be a fun one to watch in the regular season. I think they're going to play a lot of 128 to 125 games. I think they're going to win their share of them. I think they're going to lose their share of them. They're going to be within a one possession either way every single night, and it's going to come down to who makes shots. Interesting. On a given night. Ron Boone won't get to talk, but if we're playing 128, 124. <laughs> um, how will Will Hardy be different in year two? You know, I think he's going to be a lot the same in year one. I think he's a heck of a coach, man. Like, you know, I think his preparation, I think um, the way he – uh, relates to his roster. Um, you know, I think that it's going to be really interesting uh, to see how he um, integrates John Collins with the rest of the core, because I think that the guys um, played a certain way last year and John doesn't play that way. Elaborate. Uh, you know, in terms of movement, in terms of movement without the ball, um, you know, and a lot of time, and I think that John got to a certain point of malaise last season uh, to where he was just doing cardio because of who his point guard is. And, you know, and I think he's going to have to, um, he's going to have to adjust, readjust to, oh my God, if I'm open, I'm, I might actually get the basketball this time. Oh, they're running a pick and roll my way. Oh, they're running a pick and roll to me, to my side. Oh, this pin down, this pin down is for me. Oh, they actually want me to take this catch and shoot three from the corner. Oh, they actually want me to take this catch and shoot three uh, from, from above the break. So I think that he's, I think that John's going to have to adjust to the empowerment that Will Hardy's going to give him uh, as opposed to where he was by the end of last year with the Hawks, which was a very different place. Interesting. I think one of the more interesting things is how many how much will change defensively during the year, right? We were like number one in the league for half the year in allowing threes, and then we were last in the league in allowing threes. Like there was a fundamental when Walker Kessler stepped in the starting lineup on game 41, January, whatever that was. Like from that day on, we changed completely, or they changed completely how they played. Um I'm curious to see which of those two versions they come out to be um this year. 
It's going to be interesting because if they start Sexton, Clarkson, Lowry, Kessler, John, then you're starting. Let's, let's keep it real. You're starting one guy who, who's a defender. Yeah. And you're starting zero perimeter defenders. Yeah. That's that's why there's going to be a lot of 128, 125 games. Where do you think they're going to rank offensively? You like? Do you think they're a top ten offensive team? Depends on how they shoot. Um, I think they're going to be. I think they're going to be a top ten transition team, for sure. Oh, don't get me into my whole theory on transition. I think that they're going to be um, a really good rebounding team. Um. I don't know how many turnovers this team is going to force. No, they they were. I think they were January tenth on. I think they were last in the league in forcing turnovers, weren't they? Yeah, that that might right continue. around there. Yeah, they were. They only forced ten percent of possessions into turnovers after January tenth. That that, that might continue, but their length, their collective length, particularly up front, um, can keep them in some possessions defensively that they probably shouldn't be in. Uh, and, and that's one of the reasons why I think Chris Dunn actually has a chance to start because you're putting another defender in there and another guy who, um, like, you know, I think that if a lot of the roster are below average passers, below average playmakers, Chris is a average to slightly above average playmaker. I if, fully get the Chris Dunn starting concept. I just don't know how Keontae George ever plays if you do that. That's, that's definitely a consideration. All right, more with TJ. This is so much fun. I'm gonna, but I'm gonna actually let him um, since this might have been done in one sitting, which if you guys can start doing the math is long, and his hourly rate is way higher than what I'm paying him. Um, I might let him go after this next segment. It is locked on jazz. Thank you very much for tuning in, being part of our, be our first listener, being an everyday. Or you guys rock. TJ appreciates you. Send TJ some love at T Jones on the NBA. Send him a thank you and and follow his daughter, which who's. I'm dyslexic. I have no chance of telling you what she said. She told you to follow her on Instagram. Yeah, I just don't know what her name, her Instagram name is. Is Kelsey Jones? Oh well, she spelled Kelsey, and it wasn't normal, and so that I'm lost. K e l s i. There we go. K e l s i Jones on Instagram. Go follow her. Follow her spam account. We'll be back with more with TJ here in a second. <laughs> Took us like three minutes to get to break. We're now back. Tony Jones. All right. Um, have we missed anything jazz related that you think is super pertinent before we turn our final comments to the Western Conference? We haven't talked about Taylor Horton Tucker. And we haven't talked about Bryce Sensible. All right, let's do it. Because I think they're both, I'm like, think they're both super fascinating. I'm Taylor Horton Tucker has a superpower. Like he can get by guys, get to the rim. He's got a seven-one reach. Like he's younger than Otay Abaji, which is super interesting. I don't know if it's relevant, but it's super interesting. Like he lost still- twenty pounds. He's super skinny right oh, now. Oh, really? Muscle yeah. watch. My Taylor Horton Tucker is going to outdo Tony Jones's twenty-pound mu- weight loss. My uh, my intel tells me that he's super spelt right now. Okay, this is super. Is that good or bad? Like, because well, he's, he's an incredibly explosive athlete, but also part of his magic was how big he was and how powerful he was. And so that's one of the reasons why he could start at the point because he's he's a guy at the point guard spot 
who is just physically has an advantage almost every night. How fun is this? We literally have built like six to eight different starting lineups in two in a week of shows. Training camp is going to be very interesting. Yeah. Like it's going to be nuts. I don't know. Like it's, and then it's hard because you don't play nearly as many preseason games as you once did. And how do you figure? And and so you're to your point, like the first 20 games of the season could be nuts. And, yeah. and and the sad thing is like, Will's a big believer. You just can't bury guys on the end of the bench. Like that is a big thing. Will believes like, so he's going to be like getting into the fourth game of the year when Taylor Horton Tucker hasn't played in the first four, searching for a way to get him into a game and giving him a chance. And then we're going to suddenly, I mean, there are, this is what I like. Like, when we talk about the team comparisons and things like that, one of the, my big things I analyze on every team is, do they have 240 minutes? 48 times five. Do I don't you have, know that the Jazz do. Well, I think they have more. Like, I think they, like, I, like a lot of the rosters don't have 240 minutes of actual NBA players on them. No, 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 no. I, I meant to say, I don't think that they do in terms of, I don't know if they have enough minutes for how many right. players they have. No, they might have 265. Right. Right, which gets a little funky, like, there's a there's two two ways to look at it, right? Like you can like if you go back to Danny Ainge's Boston team where Terry Rozier and all those guys played in the playoffs and then everybody came back from injury the next year, they had like 320 minutes of expected time. Well, that's gonna cause all sorts of locker room problems. But right? see, that's that's you know, let's assume the locker room doesn't derail. That's one of the reasons why I'm actually pretty bullish on the Jazz in the regular season. Like they have eleven or twelve guys who can play every night, even if you know, you got to turn to Luka Samanich or Simone Fontecchio. Like, those guys played major yeah. minutes last year. Yeah, yeah. They got a lot of time. And they're 13 and 14 or 12 and 13 on the road. Yeah. yeah. And 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 uh, your seven can play if he has to. Yes. And he's 14 on the roster. And Bryce Sensabaugh's 15 on the roster. So talk Bryce Sensabaugh to me. He's I didn't mean to dismiss Taylor Horton Tucker. We can get back to it. But. So we, we, you know, we – He's you always want to draft if you draft somebody at 27 or 28, wherever the Jazz picked him. Um, that's one of the three best in the entire draft at a specific skill, you're doing pretty good. And Bryce Sensiball is one of the top three shooters in the draft. Uh, I thought that Jordan Hawkins was the best shooter in the draft, I thought that Grady Dick was the be- second best shooter in the draft. I think Bryce Sensiball is the third best shooter in the draft. Bryce also can go off the dribble. And he's also more athletic than anybody his size should be. Um, He really gets up off the ground. He's a powerful kid. Uh, He's powerful off the dribble. Uh, He plays the spots. Uh, He makes shots. He's a shot maker. So, you know, you look at some of that stuff and you're super intrigued. He doesn't defend. He hasn't been durable. Uh, he missed summer league, so he's probably starting training camp a little bit behind the curve. Um, you know, so those are things. And he's playing at a really stacked position. So how does he get on the floor? And, uh, by the way, I just want to point out, I'm super unbothered by the not defending in the sense that there's not a college player that's ready to defend in the NBA. That's also true. Now, um, I'm a little concerned. Most high-usage players have struggled – to adapt to playing with teammates. Yeah, and if you watched that Ohio State team that he was on last year, 
uh, he needed to be high usage. Let's just put it that way. Yeah, yeah, no fair. Totally fair. Like that's, um, that's the question, right? Steph yeah. Curry did it. He was at Davis and he had to be high usage, but there was, you know, there was still a question there. You know, so the question for him is, does the shooting translate from where he's touching the ball at most once every two possessions in a scoring in a scoring position to where he's touching the ball once every six possessions in a scoring position? Can he make still make shots at that clip? Because if he if he does, then he becomes really valuable because then all of a sudden there's somebody who can space the floor, there's somebody who can attack off the dribble, attack closeouts. And I don't think that he's that much different off the dribble than Malachi Branham in San Antonio mm. to where, you know, he can consistently create his own shots off the dribble. Um, it's just a matter of how much time that he gets, whether he's going to be able to, 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 to show that. Um, but I think offensively he has the makings of a real offensive talent. Yeah, I, I, I'm a big fan, and I was trying to pull up my numbers right now on my draft numbers. So the first thing I did during the draft this year was I went and ran numbers didn't, before I watched anyone. And he was, like, one of the f- top players on my board of, like, okay, like, just numerically, this kid is tremendous. Um, I don't have my draft numbers for some reason in front of me. I'll have to figure out where they are. Um, but, I mean, he was he, – he was – I actually had him, I think, even better than the – uh, third best shooter in the draft. That's what actually I was pulling up. I think I had him as even one or two, mm. just statistically. Um, uh, he was that good. All right, West. The four. Rem- uh, oh wait, one other quick question. You like the in season tournament? You are waiting to see. You're a cynic. I'm waiting to see. Part of me is a cynic, but. I'm waiting to see, but since I'm also covering the Denver Nuggets this year, there's a, there's a high chance that I end up in Vegas. And ending up in Vegas in December is not a bad thing. Bradley Beal, Kevin Durant, Devin Booker, DeAndre Ayton, work how? Well, I think Beal and um, Booker are both uh, – they've both gotten to the point where they both can play the point. And it's just, it's just fine. Um, and, you know, all three of those guys are, are, high, are high intelligence, high IQ guys. Um, I don't think they're going to have an issue offensively at all. Um, my question is what happens defensively, uh, not even in the regular season, but in the playoffs when, you know, they've got to guard Jokic and they've got to guard Murray or they've got to guard LeBron and they've got to guard AD in uh, like, you know, your third best guy ends up on Austin Reeves or something like that. You know, I, I, I really love Phoenix in the regular season. I think that they, there's a chance they win 56 to 60 games. Uh, I wonder about them in the playoffs defensively when you have to get stops uh, at, at crucial times. Okay. Top four in the West are? Uh, Denver, LA, Phoenix, and LA being the Lakers, yes. And I don't even know who the fourth team is for me. Who's the fourth team for you? Well, if the Clippers are healthy, I don't believe in the Clippers in the regular I think that's season. Fair. We all can cash out at some point on someone. I think that's 
Um, I don't think Sacramento can be as healthy. I'm going to say Minnesota. I had Minnesota last year. I, my, my, I kind of, yeah. I, I'm, I, I'm just going to go Minnesota this year. I would go New Orleans if Zion's healthy. I don't believe in New Orleans. And I don't believe in Zion being healthy. Because uh, I don't believe in Zion being healthy ever. Right. Um, I'm going to say, I'm going to say Denver, LA, Phoenix, Minnesota, Golden State. I'm going to put Minnesota at four. And the reason why is um, I think Anthony Edwards is fast turning into one of the very best players in basketball. Yep. It's time. And th- those type players usually do very well after their Olympic. Or Those type players usually do very well. And Anthony Edwards plays on both ends of the floor. Yep. And he plays every single night. Victor Webinyama will dot, dot, dot. Victor Wimbayama will be rookie of the, the NBA's rookie of the year. Averaging? He will average 17 points, nine rebounds, three block, four assists, and three block shots a game. Woo! That'll be fun. And Jeremy Sohan will be one of the best second-year players in the league. Oh. You know, I like that because one of the mistakes I think people make is that the rookie who actually had a good first year very rarely has a better second year. They have a better third year. Right, like, but the rookie who has a bad first year jumps the second year, so he's he's liable to have the good second year. All right, go cash app. That I'm already good. Oh, you're so skilled. Um, I'm buying something, lunch or something, if you'd let me, because I'd like to spend more time with you, and I'm more than willing to pay for it. Um, you're a great man. I appreciate your time. I look appreciate forward to spending you. time with you, and these are always super fun. So, um. Thank you very much, TJ. Tony Jones at The Athletic. Tony Jones on the NBA on the X. Please send him a thank you. This has been Locked on Jazz. Next week, Sarah Todd joins us. Should be a great deal. Have a good one. See you.